and welcome to the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast, a ministry of the exchange where we are improving church effectiveness through healthy church and ministry assessments, mission trip planning, and workshops on evangelism, discipleship, church structure, and strategic planning. You can find more about our ministry, the exchange, at www dot made the exchange dot com. You can also email me at be the church dot go at gmail.com. You can email me for uh, questions or if you would like to be on the show, uh, you can email me as well and we will schedule a time to do a recording. All right. Well, I am excited for this episode, so let's get started. Welcome to episode 17. I've been hearing a lot lately that really troubles me and a lot of it has to do with taking scripture out of context, really for the sake of personal agendas. And I think this is an important topic for us to discuss because a lot of the scriptures that are taken out of context really has significant impact on how we live our lives personally, how our nation is ran, how the church functions, and how the world sees and understands Christians. You know, the Bible teaches us that if we follow Jesus, we are ambassadors of Christ. And what this means is that we are ambassadors of Christ, even if we are bad ambassadors. How we act as Christians, how we respond to scripture as Christians, how we understand scripture, and how we use scripture in everyday life situations, uh, political topics, you name it, we are representing Jesus. And if we're not very good at that, then people are not going to have a very good reflection of who Jesus is and what he taught. And just as of recent, one of the things that I have seen you know, people using to kind of support uh, their agenda or to not support another agenda or, or whatever is that Jesus never carried a weapon. Uh, Jesus never promoted violence. Jesus never you know, talked about anything you know, like that in terms of you know, Christians are to get involved uh, in war and self-defense and stuff like that, which is true. There's no specific teaching on that in scripture. And what people often go to is you know, the part of scripture where Jesus and the disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is getting arrested uh, and one of the Romans guards ears is cut off and, and Jesus says, those that live by the sword will die by the sword. You know, put your put your sword away. And people will use that as a justification for things like uh, extreme gun control. You know, with these recent school shootings, like you know, they'll use that as justification for, you know, not allowing weapons and removing weapons. And But one thing that people are missing is that, yes, Jesus said that those that live by the sword die by the sword. But he never told the disciples to get rid of their sword. And there's a reason for this. Well, there's probably several reasons for this. But one of the reasons for this is Jesus knew very well that an armed disciple is much more safe than an unarmed disciple. Not because he expected his disciples to shoot people or retaliate. In fact, he didn't want them to retaliate. But he also knew that if... Roman guards knew, or if other people knew that they were armed, they were less likely to be attacked. And this is something that's very important for us to understand. And not only that, 
swords had other uses than just using them as a weapon. And guns are the same thing. Guns have other uses than just as a weapon. I'm not going to get into an argument about all of this stuff and types of guns and all of this. But what I'm what I'm point I'm trying to make is that we cannot take scripture out of context. So our agenda is justified by using the Bible. Jesus does not want his followers using weapons to injure or anything like that. That's 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 not the case at all. But there's no teaching in scripture that says that followers of Jesus should not be armed because it's a psychological thing on the enemy. If they know we're armed, they're less likely to attack. If they know we are unarmed, they are much more likely to attack. Now, if somebody wants to attack me, probability of me retaliating is pretty low. I, I honestly couldn't see myself retaliating in, in a negative context. And that's not why I, I have a, a weapon. The psychological component of if the enemy knows you are armed, they're going to think twice before attacking. And that goes along with anything you know you look at these school shootings you know imagine you know if these these young people who go and commit these heinous crimes imagine if they knew that every staff member that was qualified meaning they do go through background checks there's nobody you know that you know is is not allowed to or has i mean they wouldn't be allowed on school staff anyway but you know, you know, you know, you understand what I mean. Like a qualified, they they don't have major mental health issues. They haven't committed any you know violent crimes, right? If every staff member had a weapon behind their desk or in a desk drawer, the probability of school shootings would go down significantly. By limiting weapons to those who use them responsibly, it is not a wise idea. And history has shown that our Constitution gives us warning and instructions on what to do if our government was to no longer act in our interest. And we are literally called to retaliate. There's no way we could do that without weapons because our government has weapons of mass destruction. And we would be literally helpless without any sort of defense of our own. And that's what I think a lot of people, you know, don't understand or don't want to understand. You know, when you look at, you know, things like an AR-15 or, you know, an AK-47 or, or any automatic or even semi-automatic weapon for that matters, look at these handheld weapons in comparison to what, you know, the military has or the government has. Having a single shot shotgun or, or, or something like that is not going to stand up to what the government has and when we look at type of personal weaponry you know that the government had when the constitution was written it's going to match at least fairly closely to what the people had and so when we look at that yeah of course you know they didn't have automatic weapons back then but neither did the government you know and so weapons are not used or not in, should not be intended to be used to commit crime or harm or anything like that but it is a form of self-defense and a form of self-preservation so that at least from a psychological standpoint if anybody was to 
want to uh, attack, they would at least have to think twice about it. Now, there's probably some of you out there who are followers of Jesus, and, and when you're like, well, if, if you follow Jesus, you just have to trust him and, and trust the Holy Spirit. And, and yes, we have to trust Jesus, and we have to trust the Holy Spirit, and we have to be prepared to die for that. But we shouldn't walk in ignorance either, which is why Jesus did not tell them to put away the sword. We are not called to walk in ignorance and walk willingly into the fight. You know, we are not to purposely be martyred for our faith. You know, even Jesus escaped, you know, different places and went different places when when tensions got high. And, and so using any sort of deadly force or weaponry is by far the absolute last resort for any believer. And in fact, I don't even think it really is a resort we should go to at all. But we are not to walk in ignorance thinking that if we get rid of weapons, that everything will be okay and we'll be safe. I do I don't believe that would be the case. And, and so we want to make sure that we're not taking scripture out of context. You know, so what Jesus meant when he said those that live by the sword die by the sword. It's those people that believe that they're completely unsafe without weapons and you know, they're going and committing crimes and they're, you know, every argument they get into, they feel like they need to get out and fight and, you know, use some sort of weapon, you know, and it's 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 kind of like defining your life and protection by the fact that you have weapons. That is really what Jesus is talking about, is that those that live by the sword die by the sword. Meaning like if you are going to, you know, believe that getting into gunfights is necessary, well, then you are going to die by a gunshot because you're getting into war. You're getting into that. You're you're pushing that. And, and that's what Jesus is talking about is, yeah, if you're gonna, if you're going to live by that you no know, concept then yeah you're gonna die by the sword you know but keep keep the sword because it, it helps from a psychological standpoint it is there for protection if absolutely needed um, it is there for defending if absolutely needed now we also have to take into consideration in the in the garden when this all took place Jesus already knew what was going to happen and what was going to happen needed to happen he needed to get arrested he needed to go to the cross he needed to be crucified so he could raise it from the grave and he knew all of this and the disciples didn't know this was going to be happening. And, and so there, there's a lot more that goes into what Jesus said there than just looking at the sword itself. We have to understand the context. We have to understand the scripture. We just can't use scripture completely out of context. Now, please hear me. I'm not using this to promote any sort of any sort of agenda at all. I just clearly want to you know, make a point that we often take scripture out of context. And if, if you are going to argue for gun control and you're going to use scripture to do so, make sure you're using scripture appropriately to make your argument. I would say teaching on loving one another is, is a much, much clearer position of why believers may feel that guns are not necessary. And again, I'm not here to support one end or the other. I have my own feelings and my own beliefs in that. And 
I don't see anything wrong with Christians owning guns. I don't see anything wrong with them having them. And that that's where I stand. I don't I don't believe it shows anybody's faith more or less um, in God, in the Holy Spirit. Um, I believe it's a personal decision that if you want to carry a weapon, carry a weapon. I'm sure there were disciples that followed Jesus that didn't carry weapons, and there's nothing wrong with that either. I don't, I don't believe you should, and I don't believe you shouldn't. I believe if you feel that, you know, it, it's important, then I believe you should. But if not, then then no big deal. I'm not gonna sit here and condemn somebody who doesn't carry a weapon versus somebody who does. I think if we are responsible, if we are mature believers, um, whether you have one or not. Uh, you are going to walk out your life appropriately. And if you do carry a gun, you're not going to misuse it. And you could obviously go down a hundred million different rabbit holes with this. And I'm not, I'm not saying I, I want to argue about it because I don't, because I honestly don't see anywhere that argument could end positively where you know, one side agrees more with the other. I just don't see that possible. And I wonder if part of that might be because of the different type of giftings that we've been given, um, the different type of personalities that we've been given, the different jobs and roles that we've been given. You know, I, I wonder if those play a part in that at all. And, and obviously we want to trust the Holy Spirit and, and God can do tremendous things. And we should trust in the Holy Spirit when he's asking us to trust him in, in those particular moments. But again, we do want to be wise. We do want to not be ignorant, you know, and realize that, you know, the Holy Spirit is not going to speak to us about every single situation. You know, when we put our trust in him and we are going for him, yes, we, we might be protected, but there's no guarantee about that because persecution is inevitable. You know, there is a good chance that if you are preaching the gospel message, that you will be killed for that. And I accept that. I, I absolutely accept that. And, and I would have no intention of using any sort of weapon if that's why I'm being killed. If I am being killed because of my faith, I will take it and I will take it gladly and I will take it with joy. But I think there's a difference between Christians being persecuted because of their faith and somebody breaking into my home and using a weapon on my family. I think there's a big difference there. That has nothing to do with my faith. That has everything to do with my family and protection. I do not believe that the Lord would want us to sit by quietly watching somebody break into our home and kill my family when I have the means to stop that. I, I do not believe that is what the Lord would want. So I do believe that Christians should not retaliate when it's persecution related. Uh, we should either accept the persecution or flee, depending on whatever the Holy Spirit you know asks of us to do in that moment. But I do not believe that the Lord just wants us to allow the enemy to do whatever they want because we shouldn't have guns. I, I don't see that being loving. I don't see that being a loving mindset. Um, um, I mean, I can try to love the enemy walking in my door with a gun all I want to, but if he's set on, you know, injuring my family or myself, he's he's going to be set on that. And loving him in that moment is not feeding him. I think there's a difference in stopping a school shooter with a weapon versus stopping somebody preaching Jesus with a weapon. There's a big difference there. I I don't believe that anybody that is for gun control would be against somebody shooting a mass school shooter. 
I don't believe it. You might say it because you're adamant about your gun control agenda. If you are against somebody shooting a mass school shooter who's already killed innocent people in a school and you're against stopping him with a weapon, that doesn't make any sense. And you're going to say, well, the lack of weapons you know, would have stopped that person. No, it wouldn't. Because criminals will always find a way they have throughout history and they'll continue to do that. And, and, and this is not about gun control. This is about taking scripture out of context. You know, and, and taking scripture out of context takes place more in just this area. It has much more devastating results. You know, even even salvation is taken out of context. And you know, I heard somebody share with me once, you know, they said, you know, well, the Bible teaches that anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I said, yes, it, it does teach that. But that's not the only thing it teaches. It also teaches that in order to be saved, we need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, and we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we cannot just take the parts of Scripture that agree with our feelings or our agenda and claim that as truth. We have to look at Scripture as a whole. We have to look at Scripture universally. And what I mean by universally is that it all works together. There cannot be a scripture that, when properly understood, counters another scripture. If there are scriptures that seem to contradict or counter other scriptures, it's it's not scripture's fault. It, it, we have to figure out what it really means. And, and so we have to learn that we cannot take scripture out of context to align with our beliefs. We have to align our beliefs with what scripture teaches. And when we don't understand it, we need to learn what it means. And this is really important for the church moving forward, especially as we you know, look at you know the direction that our country is going in, in terms of religious freedom and, and beliefs and what we're able to say and what we're not able to say. Because whether you want to admit it or not, freedom of speech affects the church. Freedom of speech affects the church in significant ways. And we have to be prepared to know how to respond to that. And we cannot respond out of context. We need to respond within biblical context, understanding what the Bible actually teaches. And that cannot happen if the church is not making disciples. If the church is only focused on teaching and the only teacher is the pastor, we are not going to fully understand scripture because then everything is subject to whatever that pastor believes or doesn't believe. That's where discipleship is critically important. And that's where church structure comes into play. That's where church leadership structure comes into play, which my book, Awakening the Sleeping Giant, shares, talks about, and provides a guide to change that. We have to have a structure that aligns with the biblical church structure. We have to have an accountability structure that holds everybody accountable to scripture. And that all includes discipleship. A church without proper biblical discipleship is subject to false teaching, is subject to false prophets, is subject to heresy. A church without proper biblical discipleship is not a biblical church church. And my book, 
walks us through that and it shows in very clear detail how the traditional church within the United States is not aligned with what we find in the New Testament as how the church should be structured and how the church should function. And again, going back to taking things out of context, that is one huge, huge reason the church looks the way it is today is because many church leaders have taken the church structure out of context especially when you're looking at the gifts, especially when you're looking at uh, the the charismatic gifts, you know, the prophet, the apostle, and the evangelist, right? We, we have taken it so far out of context where we're not even allowing prophets and evangelists and apostles to function anymore. In fact, when anybody hears the word prophet and apostle, you know, you freak out. But yet it's very clear in scripture that Jesus gave first the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, right, gave the pastors and the teachers to the church so it would be unified and mature. And when we take it out of context because we don't understand prophets or apostles or evangelists and so we just choose not to include them, we we are not a biblical church. We're not a we'll never be mature, we'll never be unified, right? And again, that's going back to taking scripture out of context. We cannot do that, church. And we cannot let people that not are not part of the church use scripture against us because that's exactly what the devil does. That's exactly what the devil did in Genesis. And he did it all throughout scripture. He used scripture out of context to attempt to destroy the church. And we cannot allow that to happen, church. We have got to stand firm on what we believe know what we believe and have a discipleship process going on within our local church where we are making disciples, we're baptizing disciples, we are teaching them to obey everything Jesus taught, and we have accountability within the church structure. It's just important. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast. Don't forget, you can contact me anytime by emailing me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. You can also learn more about our ministry, The Exchange, by going to our website, www.madetheexchange.com. And if you have not already, don't forget to like and follow this podcast, as well as share it with your friends. Now go out and awake in the sleeping giant. <laughs>